You're listening to The Scrimmage with Daniel Hargrove and Justin Domashevitz. I'm Sir Daniel Hargrove. And I'm Justin Damashevitz. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. That's no, all I that's, got. that's all we got. We got our trusty producer, Andrew Gross, here with us. I apologize for that intro. Uh, but we I do, do have not. lots of good stuff to talk about. We have restarts for the NBA and a startup schedule for Major League Baseball. And we're going to get into both of those things. Also... A fairly current athlete of the week. That's coming in the second half of the show, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But first, let's get it going with the two-minute drill brought to you by State Farm agent Mark Rossetti. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Hurry up. Gotta hurry, gotta hurry, gotta hurry. Hey, two-minute situation. 44 seconds. Hand the ball to ref. Gun do right, gun do right. Three jet buckeye. Don't worry. Three. The two-minute drill starts now. Hand the ball to the ref, Justin. During an interview with USA Today, NFLPA Executive Director DeMorris Smith was asked about social media posts from workouts by Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady and Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson. Smith said the players aren't acting in the best interest of player safety by holding the workouts. Daniel, should Tom and Russ stop holding private workouts? Well, I saw some pictures of Tom's workout. There's definitely no social distancing going on there. So I don't know. But Russ, it was him and DK. That was like it. And they never were within like 30 yards of each other. But they touched on the, the same video. Ball. They did t- maybe they hand maybe they dumped hand sanitizer all over it. I don't know. <laughs> but I I don't know how I feel about this. I feel like if they want to take that risk and have the opportunity that maybe when things get started back up and they test positive and they have to sit out for two weeks, then that's something that I feel like should be up to them. And if they want to do that and risk missing the first two to three weeks of the season, then that's up to them. And otherwise, I don't know how you enforce it. I mean, what are you going to say? You're not allowed to do anything with your friends. I guess you could. (laughs) But come on, they'll just stop posting about it on social media. It's easier just to not have friends. (laughs) (laughs) On Friday, the NBA revealed the full schedule of games for its upcoming restart in Disney World next month. The New Orleans Pelicans had the easiest schedule of the 22 teams, with only three of their eight games being against current playoff teams. What? The Pels' top competition for the eight seed in the West, Memphis and Portland, have the fifth and sixth toughest schedules. Justin, if you weren't convinced before that the NBA is doing everything it can to get Zion into the playoffs, are you convinced now? At first I wasn't because I thought, well, the Pelicans had the easiest remaining schedule on the previous schedule, and since the NBA tried, they claimed, they quote-unquote tried, to have continuity in that respect for the new schedule that they made, at first I thought, no, that kind of makes sense. Then I saw that the Blazers jumped up from the 16th hardest schedule to the 6th hardest schedule. And then I also noticed that there was a similar disparity with Memphis. And I thought, maybe, maybe the NBA is trying to get Zion in the playoffs. They want Zion versus Braun round one. Yes, they do. And also, that question was two minutes long. 
<laughs> Major League Baseball will officially start its 60-game schedule on July 23rd or 24th. I don't know why they couldn't just pick a day, but they didn't. In recent polls done by ESPN, 73% of sports fans expressed support for the MLB's plan, and 64% said, percent said it won't change how much of the sport they watch. Daniel, will the ugly labor negotiation and missed opportunity for a quick restart by baseball change the way you feel about baseball? Dang, these questions are long. <laughs> or consume the sport going forward? Uh, well, of course, 64% said that it won't change how much of the sport they watch. I'm assuming that they're thinking in total and not in percentage. So they're like, yeah, I'm still <laughs> just going to watch five games. Personally, I'm probably going to consume much more of it percentage-wise because every game means so much more. And let's say the Mariners pull a Mariners and win like 10 games at the beginning of the season and really get my hopes up. It'll be harder for them to screw it up, but also more drama filled if they do. So, yeah, I'm going to be watching a ton of baseball. How I feel about it, I wish they would have figured something out earlier and faster and without all the ugliness. But let's be real. These two sides hate each other and they have a labor negotiation coming up soon. So it was kind of predictable that it was going to all turn into a crap fest. After a record 22 seasons in the NBA, 43-year-old old man Vince Carter officially announced his retirement from the NBA on his podcast last week, sparking a conversation in national sports media about whether or not Carter should be in the Hall of Fame. Justin, is Vince, Vinsanity, a Hall of Famer in your book? I am of the opinion that I don't understand why this is even really a question. I heard it on Around the Horn. And two of three people on Around the Horn said, no, he should not be a Hall of Famer. What? And I was like, am I missing something? And I listened to Dan Patrick the next day, and he was like, wait, uh, what's the argument against it? I don't understand this. <laughs> Why are people saying this? He is 19th on the all-time scoring list. In Check. addition to being a Rookie of the Year, okay. um, he's made the All-Star team eight times. Yes. He led in All-Star voting four times, including three years in a row. He also is the only player in NBA history with a thousand dunks and two thousand three pointers, and it is by volume. But he also shot thirty-seven point one percent from beyond the arc in his career, so he was incredibly accurate. He's sixth all-time in three-pointers made. There is no argument that I will listen to that Vince <laughs> Carter is not a Hall of Famer. So J. A. Adonde, oh, oh, you got buzzed, J. A. Adonde. You can get the <laughs> heck out. <laughs> He's also the only player to play in four decades, and he's third all-time in games played. So I feel like if you get to that point, it's probably because you're pretty good that teams still want you around. And I had no idea he was such an accurate three-point shooter. Yeah, and he actually, I, I've heard people say things along the lines of, he totally changed his game when he wasn't as athletic anymore, but he was shooting 40% on three-pointers. He stood, he did shoot a higher volume later in his career, but even from like his second, third, and fourth years, he's in the high 30s, low 40s on three-point percentage. So he was an incredibly accurate three-point shooter his entire career, not just towards the end. I think there actually were a few years towards the end when he was injured and didn't shoot quite as well as he had previously. Also, was he the last guy in the dunk contest to really do something that we haven't seen before? Like, not like bringing a car in or jumping yeah. over something or doing something gimmicky, but was he the last person to actually do something in a dunk contest that we all went, whoa! Yeah, possibly. I've never seen that before. When he put his arm in the rim? Yeah. Like, 
That was nuts. Between the legs, windmill, 360, whatever it was, (laughs) that was really amazing. Yeah. I mean, the guy... And, man, so it was on his podcast that he, quote-unquote, officially announced that he was retiring. He's been saying it all year. They, They talked about it on his podcast, like, right when the NBA shut down. Because... They made a big deal. His team made a big deal to make sure he got back out on the floor and hit a three as his last bucket in his career. And they talked about it immediately after that. Like, he never flat out said, it's official, I'm retiring. But they were already discussing it like he was. So when he gets back on this podcast, it's called Winging It, in case you want to check it out. Nice. Um, But the girl that hosts it was was asking him, well, like, do you want to make it official now? And he said, yeah, I mean, I guess so. I kind of feel like it's already been official, but it could be <laughs> official now. But that's sort of the way it happened. And I felt listening to him reminisce on his career, there's not a lot of things in sports that like make me feel a little bit emotional. But Vince Carter was on the North Carolina Tar Heels team that made me fall in love with college basketball. It was him and Antoine Jameson and Ed Coda. They made it to the Final Four a couple years during his three-year um, stretch there. And he was an incredible college player, but he played with Antoine Jameson. And Antoine Jameson was the best player on the Tar Heels yeah, he's in the stud. mid-90s. And then when the two of them went to the NBA, for whatever reason, Vince Carter just immediately exploded, became Rookie of the Year. So that was like listening to him just kind of reminisce about what some of the great moments were. Got me a got me a little choked up, <laughs> which is why I wore my Vince Carter jersey in honor of Vince Sanity today. I like it. Do you have any quick thoughts about uh, the discussion with Tom Brady and Russell Wilson? I'm realizing as I um, look at this and I was listening to us read the questions, I don't have quick thoughts about a lot of things. Yeah, I noticed. Because <laughs> I wrote these questions and I write these questions and they just get longer and longer and longer every week to the point where this is like a 10-minute drill. Yeah. Now, and we spend as much time asking the questions we're, as we do answering them. We're trying. We're going for uh, ball control now. Yeah. Trying to <laughs> run the clock out at the end of the game. Um, I think with the workouts, I probably haven't seen all the videos. I've seen the Brady videos. The hard part about that one is you can really understand why he's doing it. Oh, totally. Because he just spent twenty years in the same place with the same players and the same coaches, and He's going to try to learn a completely new system. He's got to learn all of his teammates, um, you know, what their strengths and weaknesses and tendencies are. He wants to get to know them as people because that's the kind of leader he is. I'm a Tom Brady guy now. Uh, We talked about that, right? What? There's a door right there. Yeah. And you can can get out. (laughs) He also (laughs) is in a state that's been like, it's like a wild, lawless swamp. Like people just, the it's not even just the people of the state. It's the government of the state and the people that are in charge. Just to, They just do whatever they want. So even as other states were doing a lot of shutdowns and measures, um, it took them forever to close the beaches. They didn't close them for very long. They opened them up. They ended up closing them back up again. Like Florida has been kind of a mess through all this. And isn't like, aren't like amusement parks and stuff open there too? I mean, that's where the NBA is restarting. I think they actually, I know, but that, well, that is a little different because they're going to be like in a compound. Like yeah. they're, they, they're not using the word bubble anymore. They should. They're in a bubble. <laughs> they should stick with the bubble. There's concerns there. Um, I feel like I haven't seen anything that Russ has done that seemed like a bad idea. 
like I said, everything I've seen has been super small. Maybe there's stuff I've missed. All the stuff I've seen has been yeah. like super small. Him and DK. DK's just hulked out, catching passes. Even the camera angles were garbage because the camera guy felt like he was like 10 hours away, like zoomed in. Yeah. I, like, I, it just seemed really small compared to what we've seen. Like, last year, Russ had like a whole receiver camp at yeah. his house in the offseason, and this was one guy. So it's like, you you understand why both of them are doing it. They're not the only ones, by the way. I mean, right. there's been reports of, uh, oh, gosh, this is bad. Uh, the quarterback of the Jets. and Sam the run- Darnold? Sam Darnold. Le'Veon and- Bell? No, and uh, Sam Darnold and the running back of the Giants, which is a weird. Oh, Saquon Barkley? Yeah, those two guys were working out. <laughs> we're not even at Stump Daniel yet. I know. This is brutal. <laughs> I had the names and then I lost them. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, there's other people working out together. I just don't. I, I Maybe feel they like... should stop posting on social media, but then they couldn't get attention. I feel like Because I feel weird... like that's a big thing in here, too. Like, not only are they doing this, but while the rest of the world is still shut down and, like, trying to be super cautious, you have these high-profile athletes who are like, out here with my bros, getting it well, going. Tom and you like. Brady's become a social media star all of a sudden since right? we left New England. Yeah. But Shocker. I, it feels like a weird shot for DeMora Smith to take. Yeah. I guess, number one, he probably, I don't know, does he have other players complaining about competitive balance to him? Like saying, hey, we've got restrictions. How come these guys can go out and do that? Like you're supposed to be in charge of helping police the players and say what players are and aren't allowed to do. Yeah. But the other thing is maybe maybe he feels it's a bad it's a bad look for the players to be disregarding rules and then maybe that'll hurt them going into negotiations with the NFL. I'm not sure. Yeah. Who knows? You know what I do know? What? Your favorite part of the show is coming up right after a commercial break. Do you have a legal situation and need someone on your side? Let the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz be your advocate. If you've been the victim of medical malpractice, suffered a personal injury, or need representation with real estate law, small business law, or estate planning, let Jeff Domashevitz put his 29 years of experience to work for you. Call Jeff Domashevitz today at 360-612-3991 or visit domashevitzlaw.com. That's D-A-M-A-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z-L-A-W.com. Yes, it is time for Stump Daniel. I'm Daniel. You're Justin. And usually, I get stumped. But last week, I reigned victorious, <laughs> naming that marier, mariner Russell Branion on the second guess. You did. Now, I, is, I, since that time... Victorious, it feels like if you got it on the first guess, it'd be victorious. Oh, come on. <laughs> I would say you successfully avoided being stumped. You were shocked. It's like you, yeah. <laughs> you were shocked. And because of this, all week I've just been thinking to myself, ah, oh, crap, I have zero <laughs> shot at Stump Daniel this week. Well, Justin's going to be like, on the 1984 Chinese Olympic gymnastics team, <laughs> which member took the silver? What's the answer? I have. <laughs> Well, Daniel hasn't been preparing. As a <laughs> as a general rule, on the few instances that you've had a really good showing in Stump Daniel, I try to come back the next week with something really hard. Yeah. But I also for, you know, the maximum potential for making you look dumb, I like to try to go into your wheelhouse. It's dangerous. Yeah. It is dangerous. <laughs> I could pull Russell Brainian out of thin air. I know. It's odd. 
All thanks to Andrew. All thanks to Andrew's cousin's dog. <laughs> but I've been thinking a lot about Ken Griffey Jr. lately. Okay. I decided. Uh oh. <laughs> in honor of Ken Griffey Jr. This week's edition of Stump Daniel will be Ken Griffey Jr. trivia. I'm gonna. I'm really excited about this. Yeah. Just to learn some stuff. Okay. But I'm really I, nervous about it. You need to get these questions right. Oh, no. Okay. Because you're a baseball guy. Yeah. You're a Griffey guy. Yeah. You're a Mariners guy. Yep. You loved late 90s baseball. Yes. This is your wheelhouse. Oh, okay. So you can't fail. <laughs> I've got 12 questions. I expect 100%. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> First question. Now, this will be difficult because Griffey's career spanned i think it's 22 years he had a lot of really good years he had some kind of mediocre years and he had some sort of bad years so daniel within 0.005 what is ken griffey jr's career batting average wow i'll give you 0.005 on either side so you've got basically a his career batting average 0.01 you got you got a little bit of leeway. I want to be reasonable. Gosh, there are some <laughs> rough years at the end. Two eighty. It's two eighty four. Yes, you nailed it. That was really good. Like your point. I, well, you didn't nail it, but you got it within the parameters. Within the window, just barely. Okay. <sighs> okay. Same window. What is what was Ken Griffey Jr.'s best single season batting average while he was in Seattle? While he was in Seattle, uh, three fifteen. Ooh, I'm sorry, uh, that is not correct. Ken Griffey Jr. in fact batted three twenty seven. Wow. In nineteen ninety one. Gosh, he was good. Wow, his second full year. Uh, hold on, actually, I've got his stats. I'll let he's you know. He's a rookie in '89. It's the third year, I guess. Uh, he batted. Yeah, it was his third year, 327. He also in 1994 batted 323. Those were his two highest years. Everything gotcha. else was around 300 or lower. Uh, moving on, this is one you should be able to get right on the nose. Uh oh. Career home runs. How many career home runs does Ken Griffey Jr. have? By the look on your face, I feel like I'm going to have to give you leeway on this one as well. So I'll give you five in either direction. Wow, you're being a, a generous, generous host here. And he is seventh in Major League history. 515? You're way off. Oh, no. 630. <laughs> that was like over a hundred. That was bad. All those times I said that was a terrible guess when you just said a normal thing. <laughs> that was a terrible guess. I got the 600 club and the 500 club mixed up. Okay. And I'm, I would have said, gosh, oh, 
I have no excuse. Okay, here's one that I think I'm you'll- I'm a terrible human. Here's, here's one that I think you'll get, and we may actually have even mentioned- We can stop the game now. <laughs> I want to disqualify myself. You might get this one. We might have even mentioned this when we talked about him on the show recently. What was the best single season home run total for him while he was in Seattle? Something like 57. He did it twice, and it was in 97 and 98. So are you saying 57 is wrong? was wrong, but I'm going to give you another try. Uh, 54? <laughs> it was 56. <laughs> I knew that one. I, that's, I knew that one. The ni- 98, that was the year that he was in the home run chase with uh, Sosa and Maguire. Yep. <laughs> okay. Ken Griffey Jr.'s career. How many all-star appearances? Remember, he played 22 seasons. Fourteen. Oh, I'm sorry. It's 13. <laughs> Terrible guess. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Ken Griffey Jr.'s career. 22 seasons. How many Gold Glove Awards? 11. Oh, I'm sorry. It's 10. <laughs> Another terrible guess. <laughs> it wasn't just 10. In fact, it was 10 consecutive. Oh, wow. From 1990 through 1999. 10 consecutive. Okay, Silver Slugger Awards. Hashtag better than Bonds. How many Silver Slugger Awards in Ken Griffey Jr.'s career? 12. Ooh, terrible guess, I'm sorry. It's seven. He got seven Silver Slugger Awards. Uh, Right now, we are through... Well, at least your camera froze. At least I got that going for me. (laughs) We are through seven questions, and you have gotten one correct. I hope you're embarrassed. Okay. I'm the most embarrassed. Out of all Stump Daniels, this is by far the worst. Okay. I'm glad I could help. I'm going to lose sleep over this all week. <laughs> I hope you're happy with destroying my life. I feel pretty good about it, actually. In which state was Ken Griffey Jr. born? Now, remember, there was the whole thing with him wanting to go back home to Cincinnati. But also, he has a home in Florida. Yeah, I believe he I know. lives Those there are now. The, both of the uh, states that I was thinking of. So. But it could be neither of those. Yeah, it could be. I'm going to say Florida, though. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You're wrong. It's Pennsylvania. What? He was born in Denora, Pennsylvania. And uh, he lived there with his family until he was six years old, and they moved to Cincinnati together when Ken Griffey Jr. or Ken Griffey Sr., his father, played for the Cincinnati Reds. Daniel, you okay? No. <laughs> okay. Junior also played football in high school and received scholarship offers to play college football for such programs as Oklahoma and Michigan. So he was a really good high school football player. What position did he play? Receiver. That's correct. He did play wide receiver. That just makes sense. I didn't know that. <laughs> he, he also um, he also has a son who yeah, played Trey. 
Yeah, he played high level college um, he football. At Arizona State. No, is it Arizona? And then he played for the Steelers for a minute. I think he was on the practice squad for the Steelers from the information that I looked up earlier for one season. And he had been like picked up and then dropped by a couple of other teams as well. But you got one right. Good job, Daniel. Well, You've now got I have two, two now. Right, you got yeah. two. All right. In February of 2000, Griffey was traded from the Mariners to the Cincinnati Reds. One of the players the Mariners received in that trade hit 87 home runs in four years in Seattle. Who was that player? Huh. <laughs> so uh, he, the trade was in 2000. Yeah. And he was with the Mariners for the next four years. So he was part of that really good stretch of Mariners baseball. Um, the only... Uh, I want to say... Mike Cameron. It is Mike Cameron. Oh, you got it. He not only was traded... Uh, was received in the trade, but he played the exact same position as yeah. Griffey, and he just took his spot and did a, you know, a pretty good job. He did no, a good job. Nobody was going to follow up what Griffey was able to do in Seattle, but I think Mike Cameron sort of became a fan favorite during his time there as well. He did. He was a good dude too. Okay, so you've got three now. Are you feeling a little better? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Griffey returned to Seattle in 2009. Another team was also courting him that off season. In fact, a local paper in that town even reported that a deal was done for him to play for that team. What team was it? I have zero clue. I don't remember that at all. Um, I'll give you a little hint here, okay? The reason he was considering that other team was it was because it was closer to his home in Florida. Tampa? It's not in Florida, oh. but it's closer to his home. Tampa? In no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh. St. Louis? No, I'm sorry. It is not St. Louis. It was the Atlanta Braves. Huh. So Griffey was leaning towards the Braves for a while because of the proximity to his home and his family, but in the end, he decided for sentimental reasons to come back and play for the Mariners. One more question. There's another one. Last question. <laughs> right now you've got three out of 11. Remember how excited I was to learn? Yeah. <laughs> Have you learned anything fun? Oh, I've learned that I had no idea any of the actual specifics <laughs> around my favorite player. Well, for this last question, Daniel, let's go multiple choice. Okay. Again, you're being very generous you, you, after I already made a fool of myself. Well, I'm looking at your face. And, uh, <laughs> feeling like you're a little demoralized. I'm going to give you four different stat lines, okay? When Griffey returned to the Mariners in 2009, what were his stats? Was it A, 10 home runs, 39 RBIs, and a 204 batting average? B, 29 home runs, 77 RBIs, and a 264 batting average? C, 22 home runs, 44 RBIs, and a 194 batting average. Or D, 19 home runs, 57 RBIs, and a 214 batting average. I believe it's D. It is D. That's correct. 19 home runs, 57 RBIs, or RBI, and a 214 batting average. So, Daniel, you successfully 
correctly answered four of the 12 questions that I gave you about your favorite player of all time. Yeah, that's <laughs> really And good. I'm not going to say that I should have known all of those because I think some of them it's understandable that I wouldn't know. But dang, there's a couple that <laughs> I absolutely should know. And I should not be over 115 home runs <laughs> off. No. I also like I'm blown away that you didn't get 56 home runs single season. I'm I'm shocked. Yeah. That's that's shocking. And some of your guesses were just so bad. So terrible. So but I've been thinking a lot about Griffey this week because of a conversation that I heard on Brock and Salk where in their weekly podcast they they were talking about the greatest icons in Seattle sports history. Yeah. And I think most people who are fans of all sports here for many years have just revered Griffey as like, that's our guy. Yep. And Mike Salk, who's not really a Seattle guy, is he from Boston? He's from the New England area. He's from the New England area, but he's been back and forth and he's been here quite a bit in his professional life, was like, you guys are dumb. It's Russ. And here, let me tell you why. And he proceeded to make a lot of points against Griffey and all of them were good points and all of them made me very uncomfortable Yeah, because I just don't <laughs> like it when people say bad things about junior. Yeah. And I think that, I think the biggest point for Griffey is that, and they mentioned this on the podcast too, at that time, Seattle sports did not have anybody, any true icons that reached a national stage. Really? And they mentioned it, and they're right. It was Michael Jordan, and then it was Ken Griffey Jr. Mm -hmm. in the mid-'90s. Like, that was the status nationally. He had the commercials. He had the the shoes. He had the Nike deal. He, like, it was He had basketball shoes. He had a basketball shoe deal. Imagine in the mid-'90s, Michael Jordan playing in Seattle. Minus the championships. <laughs> but that was the level of star that he was. But isn't that kind of a big That's point so that... sad. Okay, but but baseball's super weird, though. It is. And that was like, like, look at Mike Trout. Yeah. The, the fact that they didn't bring up Mike Trout in their discussion was baffling to me. Because they're like, well, I mean, can you really... I mean, he didn't win any championships. I mean, don't you have to put some of the blame on him? And he I'm didn't like, even make I, it to a World Series. Yeah. I'm like, have you seen Mike Trout and what his career is looking like? In baseball, one guy, you can't measure him on wins. I, I'm, I can't. am curious, actually wanted your perspective on that because they were, t- at least Salk was, and Brock was, he was kind of defending Griffey, but he was doing it pretty passively. Yeah. But, you know, Salk was making the point that, well, I'm not saying specifically here's something about his leadership, but does it tell you something about his leadership that he was as good as he was and he was the icon that he was for that stretch and they weren't able to even get to a World Series? But baseball, like you said, like baseball is weird. How much of a difference can one leader make? It's not like a quarterback. Yeah. How much of a difference from your baseball perspective, Daniel? You played a lot of high school. You played some college baseball. How much difference can one leader make on a team winning wise? Not much. I mean, really, because baseball is also a very specific sport. You can't work your way into playing better. You know, you can't outwork a team. In basketball and football in the lower levels, you know, you can you can outrun a team. You can be in so much better shape. You can 
or in football, you can be so much stronger than somebody. Those aren't things that you're born with. Those are things that you work to, you know, and you can do all the hitting drills you want, but if you can't hit, you can't hit. And so speaking from personal experience, (laughs) uh, what are you, are you saying that I can't hit? I was asking, I was asking, well, I'm not going to say I was a perfect leader. I don't think I was a good leader. Um, I think that I played with some good leaders though. And it was always better. You always had more fun when you had good leaders Mm -hmm. on a team, you know, and team morale was better. Um, I remember there were some good leaders when I was a sophomore and uh, at Hoquiam. And then, gosh, a ton of, just had a ton of seniors graduate. And nobody really filled that leadership void. And so the next two years were really hard. And mix that with playing in a tougher league the senior year. And, you know, there's a few of us players that were able to adjust and be effective. And then there's others who... I mean, I don't know if baseball wasn't their top priority for one, but also, I mean, they like all through growing up. So it wasn't like skills that had been honed and that just was, I mean, they were better at football. They were better at basketball. They were better at so many different things. And so just being a good leader and inspiring guys to work hard Mm -hmm. doesn't really play into baseball that much because like I said, it's not really about how hard you work. Like you can't, like you can't outrun somebody on a baseball field. You can't out endurance or out strength them. So it's it's so much different. Do you think there's anybody else in this conversation? And also of- look at look at other sports, different positions. Barry Sanders, one of the greatest mm-hmm. running backs of all time. Did he ever? Did they even make the playoffs with him? Yeah, one time. I one think. year. Yeah. I mean, so. Besides quarterback and then NBA star. Yeah, and NBA is different because there's only five guys on the floor. Yeah. One person can do so much more damage. Exactly. And quarterback is the most important position in all of sports. Yeah. Um, Do you think, is there anybody else that's in the conversation? Is it like, is it Griffey or Russ if it's like the all-time greatest icon in Seattle sports history? Does Edgar Martinez come into this conversation at all? I don't think so, especially when you start talking about icon. Like I just view that discussion because nationally he wasn't the icon that he was. Yeah, I mean, of course it's hard with Russ too because like Griffey got he had the respect, he had the national attention, even though he was from this market. He won an MVP. Yeah, Russ has a Super Bowl win. Yeah, that's been incredibly successful, but he hasn't won an MVP or even gotten an MVP vote. Yeah, not even a vote. Yeah. And that's the other thing. I mean, thing, it's like, bogus, but it's true. Yeah. And that's the other thing that they brought up, too, is Salk was like, yeah, Seattle was nothing before Russ. And I was like, well, we had our only MVP before Russ got here. Sean Alexander actually won an MVP. Yeah. I mean, they made it to a Super Bowl, probably should have beaten the Steelers. Like, the, uh, like it's but, not accurate to say Seattle Sean Alex- was nothing. Yeah. Sean Alexander actually got yeah. national recognition. Yeah. And Russ hasn't. That he maybe didn't even deserve. And I think part of it is because so many people like Marshawn Lynch better. <laughs> like, I don't know. But I don't, it's it's an interesting discussion. Yeah. It is harder with... And I think I think they're right. If Russ wins another Super Bowl, then it, it definitely shifts over. Do you not think it's Russ now? I, I think it's close. Yeah. I think it's close, but even I though I don't know... I think a compelling argument either way. Yeah. Even though I don't know all the stats, I'm still leaning towards Griffey. Even though I don't know the trivia. (laughs) 
I'm going to say trivia a bunch of times because it was trivial that I missed this. <laughs> well, we do. Uh, we're winding down this part of the podcast. We've got a lot of gr- uh, other great stuff we're going to talk about on the other side. We're going to get some information from Daniel on what the MLB season start looks like. We've got an athlete of the week, and we've got uh, you know some questions in the mailbag from Francis that are going to make Daniel feel really good about himself. Oh, Francis. With he, which he desperately <laughs> needs. So thank you to our sponsors, Oli Penn Real Estate, the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz, and State Farm agent Mark Rossetti. Thank you for listening to part one of the podcast, and we'll pick it up in part two. Don't touch anything. <laughs>